On episode 599 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Kim Shapira and discuss her book, This Is What You're Really Hungry For, Six Simple Rules to Transform Your Relationship with Food to Become Your Healthiest Self. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 599. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Coach Allen. I'm an NASM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, performance enhancement, and fitness nutrition. A Precision Nutrition Level 1 coach, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA Level 2 online trainer. Each week, I'm joined by our co-host, Coach Rachel. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Are you struggling to get and stay motivated to eat right and move more? Are you frustrated with the slow pace of progress or no progress? Are you missing that spark and energy you used to have and see yourself sliding into old age right before your own eyes? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then it's time to take action with 40 Plus Fitness online personal training. With 40 Plus Fitness, you won't waste time on ineffective workouts or diets that don't work. You'll have personalized nutrition and training plans designed to address your unique needs. You'll lose weight and you'll keep it off. You'll get stronger and more fit, all in a sustainable way that works for you. Beyond the guidance and support, you'll have me, Coach Allen, to hold you accountable. This accountability will help you be more consistent, and that's where the magic happens. Take the first step toward a healthier, happier you by scheduling a free discovery call with me at 40plusfitness.com forward slash discovery. On this call, we'll discuss your unique needs and how you can get the results you want and deserve. You'll leave this discovery call with a plan of action. So what are you waiting for? Book your free discovery call with me today at 40plusfitness.com forward slash discovery. Results start with this click. 40plusfitness.com forward slash discovery. Hey, Raz. Hey, Alan. How are you today? Um, I'm okay. No, just, just okay. I went for a long walk this weekend and it was, it was really hot and humid. And I think I tripped myself back into uh, hypotremia mm. again. Yeah. So my, I think my sodium dropped too low and I have uh, had a really tough couple of days um, mm -hmm. sleeping a lot of it. But just, you know, trying to get more salt into my diet, more potassium into my diet, and just try to get myself back on an even keel. But it's been good. It's been a tough couple of days. Oh, that's miserable. It just feels bad when when those types of events happen. That's that's really a game changer. <laughs> yeah. You know, I Man. just went out on my normal walk. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, I'm gonna do this. And I originally said, I I'll just do 12 miles, you know, what the mm -hmm. heck. And uh, I got to the six mile mark and I'm like, you know, I, I'm feeling pretty good. I'll just, I'll go ahead and go and make it a more of a 13 point something walk. Uh -huh. I walked all the way to the sign that's at the end of the road. Mm -hmm. um, and then I turned or fence gate and I just turned around and I'm walking back and 
Mm-hmm. Got to mile 10 and I'm like, okay, something's not cool. Mm-hmm. I gutted it out for the final 3.25 miles. Sure. But yeah, I got in and I was like, I don't feel good. Uh, so I got a little bit of hydration in me, good. cooled myself down, took a shower, took a nap. Thought, okay, mm-hmm. that should do it. Uh, went out to a celebration party, some friends were anniversary. And then um, mm-hmm. that we got back, it was like five o'clock and I'm like, done. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep. I slept for 13 hours. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and Man. then and then got up and said, okay, I'm I'm up. And I started trying to do a few things and then just crashed again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took another nap. And then last night went to bed at 8.30 and, and didn't want to get up this morning at 6. But wow. I did. You know, it is what it is. I got, I still got a lot of work to do. I fell behind on, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just my body hit a line and you know, I know mm-hmm. I have low sodium. That's that's one of the advantages of, of testing myself over time is mm-hmm. just knowing I run on that lower line and I just have to, something I have to be aware of. Yeah. Uh, but I just pushed a little harder than I should have at mm-hmm. that particular time and went over the line. That's just, that's the crazy thing about the hy- hyper hyponitremia is that, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that line is not always right in front of you, like a bright neon sign. You just, the right temperature, the right amount of sweating, not enough sodium in your diet over the last few days. I mean, just all of that stuff. It's it's hard to see sometimes. And then it lines up and and then there you are. And it just sucks the life out of your body. It's hard <laughs> it to, re- it's hard to recover from that. It really it is. Well, but I, I caught it. I think I caught it early enough that I, you know, just adding sodium to my diet for the next couple mm-hmm. of days should do it. Uh, mm-hmm. The last time, you know, the first time I got it, um, they had to put me on IVs for a couple of days uh, mm-hmm. to get me past it. But, uh, you know, I think I can get by with just um, some higher sodium in my and potassium in my food. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're hopefully on the mend. <laughs> yeah. How are things up there? Oh, good. I Last week I was talking with you. I was in Boston. Now I'm back home. It's nice to be home again. <laughs> we had a great trip. And and um, like you, we're having incredible heat right now here in Michigan. I was just out for a run this morning. And man, I think I sweat as much as I drink. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but as a runner, I always have my electrolytes with me. I, I don't usually run with just plain water. It's usually electrolytes. So I was fine, but whoo, it's hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. So got to watch that. Heat, exactly. heat can be a, a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. So pay attention to the signals your body's giving you because it Absolutely. is. You just have to listen. That's right. All right. Well, are you ready to have a conversation with Kim Shapira? Sure. Our guest today is a celebrity dietitian with a BS in exercise kinesiology from Tulane and an MS in human metabolism and clinical nutrition from Boston University. She has spent the last 25 years helping people lose weight and keep it off in her private Los Angeles practice. In addition, she has worked in hospitals, sports clinics, and addiction centers. With no further ado, here's Kim Shapira. Kim, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Well, I really enjoyed reading your book. It's called This Is What You're Really Hungry For, Six Simple Rules to Transform Your Relationship with Food and Become Your Healthiest Self. And and I think one of the reasons I really got into the book early on, uh, one, I look at the table of contents. I'm like, well, we might not agree there. We might agree here. I, so I, I went in kind of, I'm not going to say open-minded, but I you know, kind of said, okay, we're going we're gonna to dive into this. But you said something really early in the book that I think was... I think we overlook it so much that we'll we'll see a friend go on a diet or we'll read something in a magazine while we're standing in line at the grocery store. And it's like, wow, 
this person lost 30 pounds in three months. Now, the little fine print at the bottom says these are not typical results, but we think we should be able to do the same thing and get the same result. And it just doesn't work like that. And, and then you, you use the word I think that's really important is then we feel shame for not being like someone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I was uh, touring the bookstore the other day and kind of reading as many different books as I could just for the fun of it. And I came across a book called Contagion. And it was saying that the most viral posts and emails that had ever occurred are the ones that gave people the feeling of awe. And it's really interesting is when you read an article or you walk past something or you hear your friend saying, I was successful doing this. It's that light bulb that goes off that kind of ignites some excitement in you that things like maybe there's hope and maybe I can do that too. But the reason why diets fail is because people don't deal with what triggers them that takes them off the path. And so as a registered dietitian, I believe the way that we eat makes our bodies well. The problem is people don't want to eat certain ways because they, they don't understand like the call to eat things that aren't making them well. And so in the beginning of my career, I put everybody on diets thinking you're going to want to eat kale because you know it's good for you and it has a bunch of different vitamins and minerals. And the problem is they were eating ice cream and cake after because they were eating the kale because someone told them it was healthy. They weren't eating it because they felt good about it. And what they really wanted was the ice cream and the cake or so they thought, but it was because they were restricted from it in their minds because they had been on a diet. That is really what called them to even eat it to begin with. I know I probably just went off on a whole nother tangent. No, 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 no. That's exactly what I meant. So, so, you know, my, my story, okay. I went paleo because I, I hired a dietitian and that was the hot thing at the moment. So she's like, Oh, you've got to, Hey, do you know what paleo is? I'm like, no. So she gave me this whole little notebook thing that she had made up all this, all this information, all these studies, all this stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll give it a shot. And it worked. Um, until it didn't. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Did you get that line from my book? No, no. Well, no, it's it's actually, uh, actually, I was thinking before we came on, I was thinking about Dr. Fung, because in his book, The Obesity Code, he said all diets work and all diets fail. And so I was like, what I ended up doing was I was just tweaking what I was eating and I ended up transitioning into keto. And then the rest of the weight dropped off. And so for me, the paleo keto approach worked very, very well. And as I got to talking with hundreds of people in this field, because this is episode 599, um, I realized that there are a thousand million different ways to eat because there's a billion people plus on this planet. There's a way that you should eat that's very different from the way I should eat. And while what I did worked very, very well for me, it may just be completely unsustainable for you. And so it's, yeah. it's great to explore. It's wonderful to explore different foods, to explore different ways of eating and realizing, as you said in the book, this is about providing nutrition for your body. Yeah. This, this is not about, you know, saying, okay, food is this savior out there that's going to yeah, make that's my exactly. life more exciting and more fun. And yeah. I'm over here bored because I got to sit here and answer this phone and it ha- it's not ringing. So right. I think I'll just go to the vending machine and buy a candy bar because that's going to be a lot more fun yeah. sitting here with yeah. a candy bar than just exactly. sitting here with no phones ringing. So it, it is that thing of it's really hard, but if you can tailor the way you currently do things and make small adjustments with these six rules, 
this could be a very sustainable way for just about everybody to tweak who they are, what they're doing just a little. Yeah. And make some sub- substantial changes that are sustainable. So what I really heard you say was, if you can be curious, which people don't know to be curious, and that is one reason why they fail. So they already assume they know what they need to do. And they're also totally neglecting what they need to do. And I think it actually starts with being curious, which you are very curious. I mean, look what you like uprooted your life. you like, you take care of things, you pay attention. And the thing about, I'm sure we're going to get into is rule number two, eat what you love, but make sure the food loves you back. What I have found is that people have a hard time sustaining weight loss because they're not really eating the foods they love. They're eating foods other people love. They're not paying attention to the way their physical body feels. They're, you know, they already know this is going to be good for me. So I'm just going to eat it, not paying attention to joint pain, digestive issues, things like that. They're not curious about specifically what's important to them. So they're focused on weight loss and they're not focused on weight maintenance. And I would say changing your relationship with food, the side effect is weight loss. Changing your relationship with food is the side effect is weight loss. So instead of focusing on losing weight, changing the focus to changing my habits, getting curious about why I'm eating and what I'm eating. And the only way that a person I believe like you can begin this process is to go back to kindergarten and that's learning the rules. So I know it sounds scary when I say eat whatever you love, but now it's the first time somebody actually has permission to be guilt-free, shame-free, to eat what they love. And then that opens the door for them to say, I didn't even realize that those were making me sick. That's why I don't feel good. I thought I loved ice cream. It turns out it's beating you know, the crap out of me. Right. And that, that was one of the initial disconnects I had was like, no, no, please don't tell. Eat whole food. Please just eat whole food. Stay away from the processed stuff. I know it's delicious, but they, they want you to eat more of it. And so I was thinking as I went into this and we're talking about relationships, and I'm like, okay, we all probably know someone in our lives that had a really toxic relationship. Okay, I was one of those people. And, but I stayed in that mm-hmm. toxic relationship. And so in your book, you talked about the four reasons we eat. Yeah. Okay. And some of these reasons, if you listen to it from a relationship perspective, you're like, that's the abusive girlfriend. That's the abusive boyfriend. That's the relationship you want to get out of if you're eating for that reason. Can you talk about the four reasons? Yeah. And I just have to say, I was um, scrolling on Instagram this morning and I ran past a quote that it said something about before you go to sleep at night, bring call back all your energy. And I loved this because we put out so much energy in different places and we take other people's energy. And the idea that we can call back and fill ourselves back up with our own energy is really important to me. So I always think in terms of here I am in my physical body and I have an emotional self and I have a physical self, right? And I'm most people are paying attention to their emotional self. They're they're thinking their mind is telling them what they need to do, not even aware that their mind is wired to help you survive in the most pleasurable way. And people are not paying attention to their physical body and all the signs and signals it's giving us all day long of telling us exactly what we need. And so if we can kind of learn to separate, understanding that our emotions come and go every 15 minutes and moods last longer, but our physical body is always telling us when we have to pee, when we have to eat. I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, oh my God, I I have to pee six times today. Where are all those toilets? right? We trust that we will find a bathroom. It might get a little uncomfortable, but we trust it. And so we need to start trusting our physical body and paying less attention to what our emotional selves are telling us. 
And so the four reasons why a person eats is because number one, emotional reasons. Number two is because the food is in front of us. Number three, because we're having cravings. And number four, because we're physically hungry. And the reason why I want you to read this book is because I want you to only be eating for physical hunger and to have a normal relationship with food, which means sometimes I eat birthday cake on a Monday, but I'm not doing it on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, right? Food is fuel and it only takes up one important place in our life. Yeah. And that's why, again, with the whole food thing is like, this is the building block. Um, And so, you know, as you talked about relationship, it's like in turning yourself inside. It's one of the things that I've really gotten become a lot more aware of in the last few years is that there there is this inner part of us that that needs love, needs attention, and we're the ones not giving it to ourselves. Yeah. We're not listening to our body and we're not telling our body and, and showing our body that love. And so as the result, we go out and we eat things we know that are no for we know are bad for us. And we're not yeah. feeding ourselves. And so when when you start changing the relationship with food, you start saying, Well, okay, yes, I I could have ice cream for dinner. I'm I'm a grown adult. I could Yeah, I, could I mean calories are calories, right? right. Calories from dinner. But what I know is that even if it's the good stuff, you know, the bluebell ice cream or Haagen-Dazs or Ben and Jerry's or whatever your poison is, that's fine. It's good quality stuff, but it's not going to nourish your body the way getting a good balance of vegetables and proteins and and all of that is going to go. It would be so cool if you stopped thinking about ice cream for dinner. And I think that's where we have to start is when we know we can have it and we put it on hold and we don't worry about it, right? And the reason why diets fail, and this is a building block, this is the first building block because now you're in kindergarten, right? You're learning how to play on the playground because if you're trying to build a house, on a faulty foundation, it's going to crumble. And that's what diets are. And so we are building that foundation. Why are you eating? Is it because yeah. you're having an emotional need for it or because your physical body is needing fuel? And food is not anything other than fuel at any given time. It is always fuel. It is Your body is like so amazing and efficient. It takes up everything you're eating. And it's just checking in to make sure that it's the right kind of fuel for your body. But if we start telling people don't have ice cream, or if we start saying it's unhealthy, or we even call it bad, or we say shouldn't, what happens is then we're automatically assuming that we're bad. And that's what we're putting into our subconscious, right? So if we stopped labeling food and we called everything a banana, I mean, what would happen, Alan, right now, if I handed you a banana? What would you do if I handed you a banana? I would actually probably just set it down. Um, Yes. (laughs) You would pause and you would say, why is Kim handing me a banana? Everybody pauses when they get a banana because they only eat bananas when they're hungry. And if we started thinking all food was a banana, we would put that space between the thought to eat and the action to eat, right? We need a pause. We need to say, "Why why, why am I thinking about a banana? Why do I have a banana in my hand? What's my body needing right now? Also, if you put that banana down, you would totally trust that you can come back for it. Because I just had breakfast, you know, not 20 minutes ago. So I was, okay, well, great. I don't need this banana. Now, if I get a little hungry later because I've got a lot of work to do this afternoon, then yeah, I might grab it and have it. But right. um, But if you, I have to just say one more thing. So sorry. If, if, If you never, ever were given a banana and then somebody hands you a banana, now it's a treat. Now it's like, I'm going to have it because I don't know when I'm going to get it again. And if I said, you only have 30 seconds to eat the banana, you're not enjoying it. You're sneaking it. You're shoving it in. There are so many things. So if we slow down the whole process and everything becomes a banana, 
and we become more mindful and we accept that we can have ice cream any time of the day, any day of the week, we no longer need it right now. And maybe days go by and weeks go by. Well, an odd aside is is the area of Panama we live in is where they grow bananas for Chiquita. So there's a lot of bananas. <laughs> They're going to run out of bananas or plantains. But you have a very important aspect to that foundation you talked about, the, the solid foundation. And I think if if you take a few minutes and you really look at this and, and you, you even said to it, I call it kind of a wellness audit. You call it the wellness wheel. Can you talk about the wellness wheel and the seven spokes and how we can use that as a tool to kind of check in with ourselves? Yeah. So everybody is in the center of their own wellness wheel, right? And what we're doing is we are attached to all the things that are important to us. And so they could be adventure, they could be our spiritual well-being, our physical well-being, our financial, our relationships, our career. And then there's a few more and what like environment. But what happens is if we are disconnected from any one of these things, we are not moving forward in our journey. We're stuck. And so it's paying attention, checking in. How am I doing? Am I connected to the things that are important to me? Have I, you know, stayed in my routine with sleep? Am I, you know, have I planned ahead to make sure that I know where my water is coming from and what food is available to me today? Have I booked my next adventure? Have I checked in with my friends? If we're not connected to these things, then what happens is we become unwell because we overthink about where we are and how lost we are and how sad we are and disconnected. And so it's not the the first thing to do is kind of check in. Where am I on this journey? What can I do to improve that? And then that's how you start moving forward. And we're all in different places. So there's no judgment and we're all working by ourselves, making this all happen. So, you know, you might be further along in your fitness than I am, but I am not looking for perfection. Not that I'm assuming you are either, but I am working for progress. So now I'm open to learning from you and also checking in to see what have I not done today? Where, where can I where can I pick that up, right? This is how we become balanced. If you're tired, how many times do you think about how tired you are during the day? If you had an argument with your friend, how many times do you think about that argument, right? These make us unwell. We have to get connected and stay connected. And like I said, the reason why people fail is they neglect to do the things they need to do. Yeah. And I think one of the key things you just about what you just said is is when you start to feel that shame or that loneliness or that boredom or or any of it, most of us have been taught, well, food will make me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a trained behavior, right? Yeah. So for me, it was about shopping. It wasn't about food. I totally trained my mind to think every emotion, shopping was a great idea. I definitely needed something, even when I couldn't afford it. And so that's kind of where I started recognizing, oh my gosh, my clients are literally eating the same way that I shop. And so being able to check in and recognize I want to, well, let me, let me go back a little bit so you can understand our mind produces about 60,000 thoughts a day. It's doing it all by itself. It's not like you asked your heart to beat or your lungs to breathe, right? Your mind is already doing this for you. We can write a book or we can have a conversation and we're actually asking our mind to think, but all the other things it's doing is to make sure that we're safe. If we heard a loud sound, we would both stop exactly what we're doing, check in, make sure we were safe before we would carry on. 
our mind would also give us a few different ways to resolve the issue quickly and safely. And so if we've had any sort of emotional trauma, which every single person on this earth has between three to 18 different emotions that can be triggered that cause them to become irrational. And so our mind remembers the last time I felt that way, we ate and we felt better. And we have to recognize that our mind is only doing its job and it's not always right. And that we can just say, mind, I'm safe. Because all our mind wants to know is that we are safe. And so if we can say to our mind, I see you, I see you directing me towards the pantry. And I see you telling me that ice cream is good in my mouth, but I'm going to laugh right now. And I'm going to remind my body that I'm safe. I'm going to check in, scan my surroundings, confirm I'm safe. And then I'm going to carry on. What happens with most people is they think their mind is, you know, got their best interest and ice cream is a good, the mind says ice cream is a good idea. So they just assume that's their idea and they end up eating ice cream. Right. And then, like you said, if you, when you put that space in there, you can get that half step back and you can say, you know, maybe ice cream isn't what I need right now. Maybe I just need some water and to go for a walk. Or in your case, it was, no, I really don't need that sweater. If I yeah. need that sweater, I could go buy it later. But you yeah, know, yeah, 50% sale, it's beautiful. Yeah. You don't really need it. Yeah, yeah but you got to have that space because the emotional part of you yeah. is like, I'm never going to get this deal again. Yeah. And you know, totally. there's sales. This is this, this sales place, every, place, day? every single day. I get an email 50% <laughs> off, 60% off, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true. But you're you're right. And I forgot that part. So once your mind tells you food is a good idea, that's when you have to recognize your alarm is going off, just like any alarm. And so notice that the alarm is going off, turn it off, take a deep breath, look at your mind, laugh at it. Okay, mind, we don't need that sweater right now. Let me scan my body and see even why that alarm was triggered. And once you can recognize where the alarm came from and you recognize, okay, my chest is tight or my shoulders are tense, or I'm recognizing that I just had this really uncomfortable phone call, right? Or maybe it is actually hunger. Any of these reasons could set your alarm going off, right? Hunger is the most primal signal we have to keep us alive. Hunger is the best you know, signal we can get from our body. We would all run to the doctor if we stopped having to pee. We need to be hungry. We need to be hungry often, but we don't want to stay hungry. But we do need to recognize when our mind is giving us an idea that is not a real idea that we need to be doing right now. We need to take a deep breath, scan our body. And if we're really stressed, then that's when we breathe. Again, so emotions pass. Can we, we t- I have two questions in one. So first I got to start out with, a, maybe it's the libertarian in me, but I'm just not a big, right now I'm just not a big fan of the word rule. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and I think there's a lot of people, you're, it's like, I'm a rebel. I, I set rules for myself and then I break those rules because that's what rules are made for. Um, <laughs> but these are, these are I, I don't have a better word than rule. So we're just going to call them this, the six weight loss rules. Can you just give us a quick rundown of those and why yeah. each one's important? Yeah. So I'm all about staying uncomfortable. You know, um, Buddha said life is suffering. And I would say suffering in quotes, right? Like we're going to either suffer by eating food that we know is like going to make us sick, or we're going to suffer by not eating that food. Now, again, it's suffering. It's a little discomfort. Our body does not like discomfort. It will never let us stay uncomfortable. It will always kind of come up with a more pleasurable solution. People are so triggered by the word diet, fat, calories. I mean, diet, literal definition of diet is the lifestyle, the way that you eat. It doesn't say in the dictionary restriction, right? So if we can reframe it and understand, we have rules in kindergarten, right? We sit crisscross applesauce. We talk when, you know, 
after we're called on. We don't over talk or speak over somebody else. We have rules and that they really do help the community be better. And so that's what we're doing here. Would you ever think of leaving the house in the morning without brushing your teeth? Probably not. No, it's a habit. So it's a habit. <laughs> think about it, was, it, it was probably part of your, like something you were taught growing up that you were trained and that became a behavior. Yeah. Because so, parent, cool. my parents are going to go and they're going to say, go upstairs and brush your teeth. And then when they come in there, they're going to touch my toothbrush to see if it's <laughs> wet, you know? So it's, yeah, there, there yeah. was, there was some yeah. police action in my, in my house. So <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, there's probably a lot of police action in a lot of houses, but so the thing is, is that the reason I use the word rules is to make you uncomfortable because I want you to stop and I want you to think. And I want these to become so ingrained that now they're a set of values. You don't brush your teeth because your parents made you do it. Now you actually value it. And so once you start valuing these rules, they become something totally different. They become who you are and your lifestyle. And I, I could say to so many different people, define your relationship with food. What kind of eater are you? And they wouldn't have any idea. And what I want them to say is normal. I'm a normal eater. I'm a normal eater in Italy, in Panama, in California. I'm a normal eater in this restaurant. I'm a normal eater next Thursday at dinner when I don't even know what I'm going to have. I'm normal because I followed these rules and now they're inside of me. So let's go through the rules. Okay. Do you want to do it? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So rule number one is to eat when you're hungry. This is, this is, these are non-negotiable. Eat when you're hungry. So really find your mind and know what your physical body is needing. Take your normal portion and cut it in half. Now, people are having visceral reactions probably listening to this. Oh my God, I don't know what hunger is. I don't know what my normal portion is. So your normal portion is whatever you ate the last time you ate. It doesn't have to be what the chef is preparing. It doesn't have to be what is on the box. It is what you would normally eat. Cut it in half. And now you're going to wait 15 minutes to see if you need more food. So we know that it takes 15 minutes to get from our mouth to our stomach to get the signal that we've had enough food. And that's why we're cutting it in half and we're waiting 15 minutes. And the thing is, most people eat their food in two, three, four minutes, giving them 11 minutes of discomfort. And our minds hate discomfort. And we'll just say, go ahead and eat it. And we need to remember, no, 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 we're safe. We just, we just had fuel. There's more right here. I'm going to come back to it and see if I need it. So the really the trick is to slow down the pace at which you're eating, be more mindful, chew your food, really taste your food, and then let it last a little bit longer. So hard for people. Yeah. So that's real one. Do you have any questions about that? Well, yeah, let's let's jump ahead in our plan here a little bit because I think this is this is really important. You put guidelines for for hunger and you went from basically over full Thanksgiving full all the way down to starving. Yeah. Number one, there's there's not a lot of people in Western world actually starving. You're not actually starving. You may be very, very hungry, but and right. that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, it's it's a range. And we all we all probably can relate to being so stuffed that we are uncomfortable, really uncomfortable, beyond uncomfortable, all the way down to a point where we got blood sugars falling and our bodies screaming at us, eat anything. Um, why do we have so much trouble? playing in that range of being just a little hungry and thinking we're about to die? It's a good question, especially when your mind is telling you for every emotion you're hungry. I mean, I have 250-pound clients, 300-pound clients, 180-pound clients, everybody who wants to lose 10 pounds, 50 pounds, who are telling me they're starving. They're hungry all day long. There is so much confusion on what hunger actually feels like. Hunger is isolated to our stomach 
It's actually not painful. It's not scary. It's just a hormone telling you you're getting a little low on fuel. We need to eat something here. Um, I think people are, again, totally primal that people don't like to be hungry because it's basic survival. And I think people have to learn and get curious to see what does hunger actually feel like? And so what would happen if I just ate an apple, nothing else? Why is there so much fear in not eating anything else when the food is right in front of you? And so I think it's basic fear. People do not trust that they're going to eat again. And we know historically, you had 21 meals last week. And that, you can't remember and, what you and, ate last and, year. And that pantry is stuffed to the gills. Your freezer is stuffed to the gills. Your refrigerator, which also probably needs to be cleaned out. I have out, Postmates, DoorDash. To, yeah. It's, there's so <laughs> much food around us, yet you're not going to miss your next meal. It's it's, it's fear. <laughs> yeah. It's fear and lack of curiosity, neglecting what they need to do. Get curious. And, and listen. Listen to their body. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to rule number two. Okay, so rule number two, which is where I think you have a visceral reaction. <laughs> yeah. Eat what you love, but make sure the food loves you back. So I would say most people are walking around with headaches, clearing their throat, heartburn, bloating, digestive distress, gas, joint pains, psoriasis, eczema, nausea, sleepless nights, itchy skin, yeast infections. I mean, tons of food-related digestive distress. And then they're eating foods that are directly linked to this. I I just remember, I'm going to give you an example that you probably read about because I think it's a profound one. I had a 10-year-old client um, that was overweight and they had a Friday night dinner every single Friday night at this diner. And this kid always wanted a shake. And the parents said, when you finish your hamburger and French fries, you can have your shake. Now, you and I are both hitting our heads going, don't, a friend, hamburger and French fries? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. You finish those hamburger and French fries, which is exactly what he would do. And then he would have the shake. And so we know that that's why this, this kid was overweight, right? But because he had to finish his food to get the shake, that was the only way. And that's what he was going to do. And this is why diets don't work. And so when I finally convinced the parents, let, let the kid have the shake, they finally, after a month, let the kid have the shake. And after two weeks of having the shake, the kid no longer wanted it because they found that it was not really satisfying and making them feel good. And they never had the shake again. And yeah. this is why it's eat what you love. And so, yeah, yeah, it's like, well, the donut holes was, you know, another one. It's like, you know, okay, yeah. What I found though is for some people, for some people, it's that, it's that trigger thing. It's like, it's the macaroon that then has you craving puts you back into another state of a reason to eat is yeah. you're now craving this food and so there are trigger foods that you know you don't think it doesn't love you you just think okay i'm i want it i want it i'm hungry and yeah. so there are foods that i would say some people probably just need to try to avoid even if there's no physical reason that they should avoid that particular food like you know most of us are not allergic to donut holes but the the sugar is going to make us want the third one and the fourth one and the, you know, yeah. the whole box. And there's trans know? fats. I mean, we're talking, yeah. you know, when we're talking about health, we're talking about a lot of ingredients in the donut hole. But does that mean I can never have a donut hole? No, because everything in moderation, it's just, what else did you have today? What did you eat yesterday? You know, what are you doing? And so the truth is, it's like, that's why I say have the donut hole on a Monday, but not Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I remember when I tried cutting sugar out of my own diet just to experiment to see how it was making me feel. 
I went through a real tug of war with my mind because I loved chocolate. I loved Butterfingers and Chips Ahoy. And there was like, now I'm contemplating a life without these things that I loved made no sense to me. But when I came up with the idea that I was going to just get curious and experiment, how am I without it? What does my body feel like without it? I opened a door. And so I noticed on day five of not doing it, I only allowed myself five days for this experiment. On the fifth day, the idea of wanting a Butterfinger or Chips Ahoy completely vanished. It left my body. I was no longer having physical withdrawals from the sugar. So sugar is heroin and there's no way around it. It is literally causes us to have an addiction and then we are spiraling looking under every single rock for it. But if you tell somebody who loves sugar that they can't have sugar, now they feel suffocated and that's not going to help them move forward. But if you can get them to understand how the food makes their body feel, don't tell them. Let them experiment and experience how the food makes them feel. Now it's easy to say, oh, oh, okay, I do love myself and I don't actually think that that's what I want to have in the middle of the day or right before I'm going to sleep, right? Teach them to be in their own bodies. And I mean, I do have sugar now. This was that experiment was 14 years ago, but I don't have it two days in a row because I'm aware of what my mind is sending me down this spiral and I can say, oh, I had it yesterday and this is only because I'm craving because I'm addicted to heroin again. And I can walk away from it. But you have to get mindful. You can't yeah. believe every thought you have. And that's, and that's another area well, I got to. Is it becomes, I mean, that eating mindfully is probably one of the hardest things to do because we're so busy. We've got so much to do. It's like, look, I can, I can do my accounting and, and eat. You know, I, <laughs> I, can, I can't record a podcast because I have to use my mouth. But I can eat during just about every other thing I do with with my work. And so it's it's really hard to say, no, put put the work down, fix yourself a plate, go sit at the dinner table, take a bite, savor the bite, feel the bite, take a breath, take a sip of water, wipe your mouth with your napkin, and then yeah. have another one. That is hard. <laughs> and boring. It's boring. And you know what? Our mind doesn't want us to be an uncomfortable. It's telling us, no, 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 pick up your phone. No, 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 like definitely do something else. Our mind won't let us be suffering. I have a client who came home from work the other day and his family had bought crumble cookies, which are just like these giant cookies that are super thick. And in my family, we cut them into like, I don't know, eight to 10 slices. And I said, how much of the cookie did you have? And he said, I ate half of it. And I said, what were you doing when you were eating the cookie? He said, I was watching the uh, the bake off and he, it was 1030 at night. And I said, what time did you go to sleep? And he said, 11. And you know, I'm like hitting my head and that's not going to help him if I'm hitting my head. So what did I say to him is, um, where's the cookie now? Where's the other half? And he goes, oh, it's in the kitchen. So I said, go grab that cookie. And he was so excited. He grabs the cookie. It's a whole half a cookie. He sits down. I can see his salivary glands already, you know, getting ready for the first bite. And I said, okay, now cut that into quarters. So we did. And then I said, now cut that into another quarter, each bite, make it another half. So now we had eight. And I said, now do it again. So we had 14 pieces of cookie on the same plate. It was like a small cookie. And all of a sudden it was like a whole plate of cookies. And then I said, now take the first bite and just smell it. Don't put it in your mouth. And you can see he was like all excited and ready. I said, okay, now we're, we've gotten our body ready. Now put it in your mouth, but chew it longer than you think necessary. 
savor it because you think you love food. Let me see you actually love the food. And so he ate it and it took him about, you know, 40 seconds to really savor it. And I said, now show me how you would normally eat. And he just pops it in his mouth and two seconds later, it's gone. I said to him, so you say you love food, but you're not even allowing yourself to really love food. Then I had him turn his chair around because we were on Zoom. And I said, show me every single thing in your room. Tell me all about the things on your walls and whatever you have. He spent five minutes giving me the entire explanation of all the things he loved in his room. He completely forgot about the cookie. He turns around and he's like, oh my God, I forgot about the cookie. Now I have like 12 more times I get to eat it, right? And I'm like, but are you hungry? He said, no, I'm going to put it away, right? So he had the same experience with two bites as he had the night before with probably five bites. We have to get mindful. Yeah. And that's the fail safe while he'll lose weight, right? Because he won't be eating the whole half. He doesn't need it. Yeah. So let's, let's run through the other four rules real quick. Yeah. Okay. Rule number three, eat without distractions. So we talked about that. Emotions are distractions. Having food in front of you is a distraction. Cravings and hunger. So make sure that you're hungry every single time you eat. Rule number four is to get 10,000 steps every single day. The average American gets about 2,500 to 3,000. To get, we really need 7,000 to prevent sudden death and to and a bunch of different diseases. I found 10,000 really helps you sustain your weight loss. So if you're somebody who's getting two to 3,000, just shoot for 500 more every day. Make sure you're getting seven, but really shoot for 10. We need this built in. So that way, by the time you're done losing weight, you're already helping your body maintain your weight. And you can do it through lifting weights, walking. I mean, it's I'm calling it steps, but it's really movement. And we need a variety of different types of movements for our body. Right. And <clears> this sure is something, a- and this is something you can do with friends. And you know, as you said, go we'll go with a walk for a friend. It doesn't have to be the yeah. full what's we're gonna work out to probably close to four and a half to five miles, but you know, get out with a friend for a little while, you know, spend a time, you know, enjoying nature with them. Uh yeah. You, know, I, you have a little stepper in your room. I remember at one point yeah. I was in a hotel room and I was at like nine thousand two hundred steps. And I was like, crap, I got to get 800 more steps. in." I'm literally walking around my bed, just doing yeah. laps around a hotel room bed uh, to yeah. get those extra 800 in there because I wanted that streak. Because for me, keeping yeah. the streak was something that was going to keep me motivated to keep doing it. Love and it. I, I didn't want to fall yeah. short. And I mean, you can move your arms, you can do arm things during extra, you know, during commercials, you can do whatever, just keep moving. Yeah, it's really important. Our metabolism goes from 100% when we're moving to 30% when we're sitting. So we want to stay active. We want to keep those burners on. Rule number five is to get eight cups of water. And it really does change depending on your climate, what else you're eating, what else you're drinking and how much weight, but a minimum of eight cups every single day will really help your body lose weight and detoxify every one of your organs. And the last rule is seven hours of sleep. The average American gets about six and a half. And if we're not getting at least seven and we need between seven and nine, but if we're not getting at least seven, we're just wreaking havoc on our body and it's going to affect our adrenal glands our hormones, our digestion, and our and our stress. So we can't lose weight without sleep. We can't Again, be well without sleep. Yeah. So yes, rules make me uncomfortable, but these are important. These are really good. Um, and if you do these, you are going to lose weight and you are going to keep it off because they'll they'll just work. They'll teach you a lot about yourself and they'll teach you a lot about food. Kim, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Mm, routine consistency, and confidence. That's what I would think. You have to have a routine. It has to be non-negotiable. So no matter what you're doing, make sure you're getting up early enough to move your body and plan ahead to get the things you need to take care of your body. 
I think you need to be consistent. So if you aren't perfect, you have the next day. So we're looking for progress, not perfection. I'm looking for consistency. As much consistency as you can have over time is going to be, is going to help your body basically thrive and confidence in the fact that you can do this. Thank you. Kim, if someone wanted to learn more about you or your book, this is what you're really hungry for. Where would you like for me to send them? Uh, everywhere, please. Instagram <laughs> is Kim Shapiro Method. My website, Kim Shapiro Method. Uh, TikTok, Kim Shapiro Method. Wherever, I'm always Kim Shapiro Method everywhere. Perfect. And I'll make sure to have the links there on our website at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 599. Kim, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. I really enjoyed your discussion with Kim. And it sounds like she has a book that was really fascinating to read. I, I love listening to it. But um, let's just start off with her six rules. I like rules. I know you don't, but <laughs> I do like rules. Well, there, there, there are some absolutes. Mm -hmm. There are definitely some absolutes. And so I, I, think, I think there are areas where you can have rules, but where you have rules, you have rule breakers. Yep. And and so, you know, I, I would only put rules down on where you know this is this is it. You know, you mm -hmm. have you have to do this. Like mm -hmm. you have to move. You can't be sedentary, <laughs> you can't be sedentary and healthy. It's just mm -hmm. it's they're, they're, it doesn't work that way. You can't eat crap and be healthy, right. even if you're eating less crap. Mm -hmm. if you're not eating some food, if you're not getting the nutrients in your body, then you're you're not you're not you're not doing the right thing. So there are areas where I think you can write rules and say, stop mm -hmm. eating crap, just move. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be a lot, but just start with something. Right. Um, I, I think that that could be a rule. Um, mm -hmm. But when I say, hey, Raz, sleep mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then it's like, oh, sure. I'm not, you know, just right. I'm struggling with my sleep right now. I, you know, mm -hmm. I, that's not, that's not always inside your control. So rules that's can true. be about the things that you control. Mm -hmm. Rules can't be about things that happen to you or outcomes. Right. right. And so that's that's where I, I kind of, when you start saying rules, I'm like, okay, here we <laughs> go, you know. Um, I guess. And, and, you know, and I think there's just a whole subset of people out there that as soon as they see the term rule, uh -huh. they're like, oh, this is going to be hard and I'm not going to want to do it. And, yeah. and so then now that there's a rule, they're fixated mm -hmm. on that rule versus actually trying to change their their behaviors and lifestyle. Right. Well, I think that I do love rules, but I also prefer them as like rules of thumb. Like for example, she said to drink eight cups of water. Well, I I don't drink eight cups of water. I drink a lot of electrolytes, like I mentioned, and I I drink a lot of coffee and occasionally plain water, but not a lot. But you know, it's just same thing with the seven hours of sleep. I need eight or nine hours of sleep. You know, rules of thumb, like be cognizant that you need more water, be cognizant that you need more sleep, and then figure out what that means to you. Like, how many hours of sleep do you really need? Like, my husband can certainly live on five or six hours of sleep, and he does quite well. <laughs> I need about eight or nine. So the, the seven hours sleep rule is not quite where I'm at. But I think that it, it needs to be customized, or you need to be flexible with, you know, what works for you as an individual. Yeah, because obviously um, Sunday night I I needed thirteen, yes. um, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, right? 
And so seven would not have done it. And then even with 13, I, I took a nap that day. So mm-hmm. uh, and took a nap the day before. So there was a lot of sleep in a 24 hour period of time to basically recover, you know, for my mm-hmm. body to have some healing time because that's what's happening when you sleep. So I agree with her that these are the, the things that are in her six weight loss rules are important considerations. If you're mm-hmm. looking at losing weight, these are things that you really want to consider how you can apply them in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just a wordsmith. And I, you know, when I see a word, I think about the emotional attachment that I and yeah. other people have to those words. And that's why I'm, I'm, I don't particularly like the word rule. But that mm-hmm. said, uh, the six areas that she covers are, are important. And if you follow them to some mm-hmm. extent, you're going to be successful in your weight loss. The other part of your discussion that even you just mentioned is the emotional aspect. You know, we do have an emotional attachment to what we eat, when we eat it. You know, we we live on the fact that we need breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but do we really need breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Do we really need that afternoon snack? I mean, there's do we really need a giant bowl of cake and ice cream at every single birthday party? I mean, there's like there there is a lot of emotion, but even that is a good rule is in that you begin to think and and strategize like why are you eating this do you really need this and ask those types of questions and if you if you did need to lose weight if you are if that is a goal of yours then that's a perfect time to really reconsider like why are you eating this you know do you really need this right now is this the best thing for you yeah and i think that's what she got into was mm-hmm. it's like okay we don't we don't actually ever let ourselves get hungry yeah so she's in, in her book she talked about a hunger scale from, you know, completely stuffed all the way down to starving. Again, mm-hmm. another word that I don't like because you're not actually starving. You're right. just very, very hungry. <laughs> Again, words, words. Okay. Mm-hmm. But all that said, it's, you know, I think letting yourself get hungry mm-hmm. and sitting in that for a little while is healthy. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, uh, not that I encourage people to go into fasting, but if, if you know you're not hungry, mm-hmm. Don't put anything in your mouth because your body yeah. doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. And then when you are hungry, when you start getting hungry, feel that hunger and, and kind of mm-hmm. sit in it for a little while and say, okay, this is, this is just, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Then go make a, a good decision on the foods that you're going to eat right. and satiate that hunger. You know, that's why her half a plate rule, you literally take what you would normally eat and you just eat half of it. We don't know if we really got into that rule. But, a little bit, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. she's literally just saying, okay, so let's say you would have um, a, a whole uh, chicken breast and you'd have all this mashed potatoes and rice and all this stuff. You just literally say, okay, I can have all that stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm going to cut it all in half and I'm only going to eat half of it. Now, I know the other half is sitting in the kitchen right now mm-hmm. and I'm sitting at the dining room table and I'm going to sit down and, and mindfully eat this. And then I can't go for the other half for 15 minutes. Again, you're giving your body that opportunity to talk back to you. Mm-hmm. You've given it food. You've potentially given it nourishment if you've, you're eating the right things. And then it will communicate back. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was actually enough. Wrap the rest of it up and that can be a meal for tomorrow or tonight. Sure. Um, and so just as you kind of go through this process, these are, like I said, all of these are valuable um, Very. If you if you go through the process of what she's talking about, it is going to help you build a healthier relationship with food, mm-hmm. and that's really the crux of weight loss. Um, it's all about your relationship with food and your relationship with yourself. True. Yeah. And the point where you start loving yourself enough to not 
punish yourself or reward yourself, whichever way you're thinking about it, with food, then the better off you're going to be. When you see food as nourishment and energy, Mm -hmm. you only eat enough of it to give you what your body needs, then you're on the track to eating healthy and having a great relationship with food. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That sounds great. That was, it was just really, really good discussion. Really interesting questions to that we could ask ourselves. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about today? No, that was great. Great. Well, then I'll see you next week. Great. Take care, Ellen. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we're going to be doing something a little different. Have you ever wondered how we put this show together? Where I find guests for the show? Or what you can do to get more involved? We'll discuss that and more on episode 600 next week. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.